Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, November 27th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a collaboration between national and local organizations to bring higher wages to Jackson's food service workers. Then, some applesauce manufacturers have recalled their products after reports of leg contamination. Plus, the Salvation Army is accepting donations to help feed families and provide gifts to children in need. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A national program seeking to raise wages for restaurant workers and address chronic staffing shortages has launched at two Jackson restaurants. The minimum wage for tip positions in Mississippi is $2.13 an hour. One Fair Wage, a national organization based in Massachusetts, is seeking to raise minimum wages and improve conditions for workers in the service industry. They have partnered with several local organizations and restaurants to try and raise the figure in Mississippi. Cassandra Welchlin is executive director of Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable. She tells our Mike McEwen two restaurants have agreed to participate in the campaign so far. Those businesses will receive a grant and agree to scale up their wages to the full federal minimum wage of seven twenty-five an hour plus tips. This is just the first cohort of restaurants, and we will be doing this um, across the year and also for the next three years. Um, we really want to just emphasize the importance of, you know, service workers um, work in really tough jobs and oftentimes they don't earn enough. And these restaurants really have a great model. They already are raising wages and we want to just continue to partner with them to help them get to the place where they want to get to. And so the untipped minimum wage in Mississippi for restaurant workers is $2.13 an hour. What, in your work and your expertise, what issues does that present for restaurant workers? Women, particularly black women, are more than 70% of those working in tip worker jobs in Mississippi. And black women, particularly, making about a third of those workers. And so we talk about $2.13, that's less than, you know, $5,000 a year for a full-time worker, and we're talking about fluctuating tips, which makes it difficult to cover regular expenses such as rent, um, groceries, even child care. And, um, and they're forced to depend on the whims, you know, of customers for the bulk of their income. 
And, of course, we know that a large um, body of research shows that strains a family just trying to meet the basic needs, and it's just inadequate income. And so the other problem that we see with that is there's a lot of sexual harassment that happens when women are making that $2.13. And majority of, again, of women are in those tip worker jobs, and they are subjected to significant sexual harassment. And so, but they have to work. And so they deal with that. And it's not fair. Um, it's, it's illegal to do. And so we want to really raise the awareness around this issue and to really, you know, challenge restaurants to raise those wages and really raise that sub um, sub minimum tip as well. And so the program is asking restaurants to commit to scaling up to paying at least a full minimum wage for tipped employees, and that's in addition to the tips they receive. Is that the federal right. minimum wage? Yes. Which is seven dollars and twenty five cents. And twenty five cents. Yes. Okay. Correct. Okay. And we are wanting, you know, again that to be raised. And what we do when we give the grants to the restaurants, which they don't have to pay any of that back um, to us. What we are asking them to do is go through um, training just to hear um, and learn different models and different um, best practices, you know, for increasing, you know, your wages and for creating a culture in your restaurant that has dignity, uh, that where the worker can operate and work in a place of dignity and fairness. And so they have to go through two trainings with our partners at One Fair Wage. And as a result of that, uh, we give them, you know, those resources to help, again, you know, train their workers on how to ensure that, you know, that kind of culture, that they are creating a culture inside that restaurant that is dignified and that workers can feel proud to work in. And, you know, the ultimate goal for this is to definitely create that culture in restaurants, but also to have the state of Mississippi increase wages. We have got to do that. We're living in a place where we know that poverty is really high. People cannot live on $7.25. We have not raised the minimum wage in over a decade, you know, federally. And Mississippi needs to be able to do that. And so ultimately, that is our goal. We're starting a conversation. We're starting partnerships. And Jackson is just the first place. We would love to be able to do this in other places of the state. And the other thing that this does, it also helps us close the wage gap in Mississippi, which we continue to still have a very large wage gap, even though Mississippi passed what we call an unequal pay law. We, we have a real issue, and raising the wages will help us, again, try to close that wage gap. Can I ask what about this issue, I guess, drew the interest and in the ultimate participation of the Black Women's Roundtable? We want to help advance gender equity and strengthen um, Mississippi's economy. You heard me say that most of the tip workers are black women or, or in, the, in the state, and, and most of them are working in those service industries. They are our people, and we want to continue to advocate that they have wages that will help make sure that their kitchen tables are met with the food and the resources that they need so their children can be cared for and, you know, their family members. We want to advance women's economic security, and this is one of those ways in which we can continue to do that. 
is just making sure that people have uh, wages, black women have wages, and to help lift them out of poverty. Black women work, but we don't make enough money in order to close the wage gap, in order to pay our bills, pay for um, groceries, or even just have a savings account. And so we want to continue to build a infrastructure in the state of Mississippi where black women and their families are economically secure. Cassandra Welchlin is executive director of Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable. Coming up, some applesauce manufacturers have recalled products after reports of lead contamination. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Get ready for the ultimate clash of football titans at the 2023 Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi Gridiron Classic. In partnership with the State Championships Radio Network, MPB Think Radio will bring you three days of football action from the iconic Ole Miss Bart Hemingway Stadium starting Thursday, November 30th and culminating on December 2nd. Don't miss the excitement of seven high school football champions being crowned starting November 30th right here on MPB Think Radio. The Radio Reading Service of Mississippi provides print-impaired Mississippians with news, information, and entertainment. To learn more or to see if you qualify, call 601-432-6301. These days, people go to great lengths to shed the stress of daily life. There's acupuncture, deep tissue massage, meditation, yoga... At All Things Considered, we offer our own type of healing, invigorating news stories that span the rainbow of human experience. Nourish your mind and escape from the ordinary. Weekdays on All Things Considered from NPR News. Happy Holidays from Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. More than 50 children across the nation are poisoned by lead after consuming cinnamon applesauce from fruit pouches. That's according to a new report from the Food and Drug Administration. The pouches are shaped like small, squeezable packets filled with fruit puree and have a plastic screw-off cap. The three products identified so far, Wanabana, Schnucks and Weiss brands. Our Michael Gidry speaks with Dr. Jerry Weiland, a pediatrician in Vicksburg, about the recall and how parents can protect their children. Well, I think we should start by saying that the medical community does not recognize any quote-unquote safe level of lead. Uh, We do screen children routinely and, of course, can check it on anybody that's concerned um, and accept levels below 3.5, that's considered okay, but usually they're even less than that. Um, There's less trouble with lead than there used to be when paint was leaded and that sort of thing, but there's still ways that children can get exposed, like this particular incident that you wouldn't know about until they did the recall. We worried about that in my clinic. We just usually don't have elevated lead levels on our screening, and we've had a few that were up a little bit, nothing drastic, but enough that need to be reported. But this gets reported to the Department of Health, and they do a wonderful job of going out and trying to find the source. You know, we identify 
the issue, and then they it's their job to go find the source. The um, thing that I found kind of interesting is that, you know, if you absorb lead, adults absorb 5 to 10% of what they ingest. In other words, you can, if you eat or drink something with lead in it, an adult will only absorb 5 to 10% of that lead in the, in the intestinal tract, where children absorb up to 40%. So even if the, with the same, if everybody in the family had the same exposure, the child would have almost four times as much exposure to the lead than the adult would. So again, it's, it hasn't been much of a problem in the world, especially the United States, not, not the world, but the United States, because we don't have lead in paint. We, you know, we try to reduce children's exposure and then we do some screening of children. And like I mentioned before, any parent that's worried, we can always do a lead screen and see where they, what their status is. Yeah, and, and parents who, you know, might be worried. Lots of parents, you know, provide their kids with with with, with these sauce pouches. Oh, the pouches are yeah, real popular. They're they're very no, popular. No, um, and no, so, messy, I, yeah. what are so? What, I mean, what are some of the symptoms that might accompany okay. um, lead poison if if parents want to kind of be on the lookout for for that sure. before they take them in for a test? Well, the problem is some of the early symptoms are very nonspecific. I mean, they can not eat. They can be lethargic. They can throw up. They can have cramping abdominal pain uh you know they can if, uh, if they get a big exposure they can even become real real irritable get lethargic and have commas um seizures but that's with a pretty big exposure you're not likely to get those kind of levels from contaminated food i think what parents are mostly worried about is that as we've said there's not really any safe level of, of lead and what's this going to do to my child Going back to something you mentioned uh, earlier about the difference between the way the bodies of children and the bodies of adults absorb blood, what is it about the pediatric and adolescent body leads to such high levels of absorption compared to adults? Well, they're just their system isn't as mature. You know, that can have something to do with it. Um, there's always been difference, it, the, especially with the brain absorption, the the protective barrier, what we call a blood-brain barrier, that doesn't let things from the vascular system into the brain is not mature in children. So, I mean, it's just children have a little higher tendency to get meningitis than than, than adults used to when when that was a big thing. I mean, because they, you know, children would get meningitis and, you know, because they're, the barrier between the blood and the brain itself is not completely formed. All right. Um, and anything else? I, I kind of just wanted, this was just to kind of touch on this one particular uh, uh, subject, but um, anything else um, uh, regarding regarding uh, lead exposure, lead consumption um, uh, that, you, that you'd like to articulate that I haven't asked you about? Well, you know, to me, the only thing that I guess, you know, since we're a rural area and, you know, hunting is a big issue, you just I think you need to be careful with any lead containing products. That they don't get into the hands of children and they don't get into their mouth, I mean, <laughs> that kind of thing. I mean, that's what that may be something that parents don't necessarily think about. And I don't know how much there, I honestly don't know how much lead shot there is out there. But, um, you know, if it's if there is lead shot, they need to be a little more careful with that sort of thing. Watch what you throw into the bonfire. You don't want anything that's going to have lead in it that gets burned off. But um, I think when you talk about how we found this, the USDA or there's some government agency that 
routinely looks for these problems, which is great. So we, we look for problems that might not otherwise be identified, and then we can have the recalls and we can have the children checked. All right. Well, Dr. Wyland, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us. Sure. Coming up, the Salvation Army is accepting donations to help feed families and provide gifts to children. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Get ready for the ultimate clash of football titans at the 2023 Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi Gridiron Classic. In partnership with the State Championships Radio Network, MPB Think Radio will bring you three days of football action from the iconic Ole Miss Bart Hemingway Stadium starting Thursday, November 30th, and culminating on December 2nd. Don't miss the excitement of seven high school football champions being crowned starting November 30th right here on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for your sustaining financial support of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Milton, ASC Certified Master Technician. Let me help save you some money working on your cars. Listen to our podcast, AutoCorrect. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Hey, y'all, join me, Felder Rushing, host of the Gestalt Gardener. And me, Kamel King, host of Next Stop Mississippi. Live at the 47th Annual Chimneyville Arts Festival, December the 1st from 9 till 11 a.m. At the Bill Waller Mississippi Craft Center in Ridgeland for the merriest shopping event of the holiday season. Each December, the Chimneyville Arts Festival celebrates with a fantastic showing of Mississippi's artisans' fine crafts. Tune in December 1st only on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The Salvation Army has volunteers ringing bells outside of many retail stores around the state. They're asking for donations as part of this year's annual Red Kettle Campaign. The money is a major part of how the religious nonprofit organization funds their food kitchens and shelters each year. Timothy Delaney is the major corps officer for the Jackson Salvation Army. He tells our Kobe Vance about how this year's donations can help families. This is our busy time during the year. There's a lot of holiday festivities happening. And so we've got Thanksgiving where we've uh, just this past week, we've smoked 130 turkeys and we're working on uh, preparing all the sides for our Thanksgiving feast that we're going to deliver to senior citizens. Uh, the public has stepped up and, and has helped us uh, get the foods for that preparation. But then we also do food orders twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays here at our social services building where people come in uh, who have to make a choice between, you know, am I going to pay buy my medication this month or I'm going to put groceries on the table because we know that inflation has hit a lot of people hard and we all feel those pressures. And so the community uh, helps us fill our emergency pantry shelves so that we can provide those foods. During Christmas time, uh, of course, everybody, uh, I'm sure it's not Christmas without the Salvation Army kettle out there. And so they see our kettles and the money that's raised, that pocket change adds up. And we're hoping this year to raise about $275,000. 
And so uh, this year we need volunteers again. They can go to uh, register to ring.com and they can pick their date and time and location. And they'll, they'll get a uh, email confirmation and even a text message just to remind them of the location that they've signed up for it. So it's a pretty easy streamlined process to do that. Uh, but our kettles are out and about and it's at the Walmarts and Hobby Lobbies and the Kroger's and at Bass Pro. And so we, we really appreciate uh, the the community and the public supporting us uh, through our kettle campaign. Why does the Salvation Army see this time of year as so important? Well, you know, we're we're a Christian organization. We're a church first and foremost, and what what, what, what we do is uh, we meet human needs in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, without discrimination. And and we know that Christmas is the major Christian holiday where we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And so we want to make sure that children, uh, uh, underserved children in the community, are able to have a still a special Christmas morning. Uh, we know that it's not always about the gifts, but what they receive from us through our Angel Tree program might be the only thing that they get under the tree. And so we want to make sure that, that, that Christmas is a special time for many families uh, in our community. I think this year we have about 890 families that are signed up, which which is just over 1,700 children that we're going to be providing gifts to. And then we also do angels uh, for seniors, for senior citizens, uh, which I really love that program. Seniors just asking for a new toaster, a new microwave, and maybe some new towels for their bathroom. Um, so it's just a spe- the holidays is a special time. And so we want to make sure that we're able to provide and make sure that, that that's a time during the year where families can celebrate together in a special way. Can you tell us a little bit more about your Angel Tree program? How can people get involved? I know uh, many churches throughout the area have these uh, trees set up already with the flyers on them. But if somebody wanted to donate and they might not have access to that, where can they go? Well, they can come to our, our office in Presto Lane. They can get angels there. They can call and um, uh, arrange for us to deliver them to them uh, at the mall, North Park Mall. Um that we have a tree set up there and volunteers man there to make sure that people understand how it works and operates. But if people don't even want to adopt an angel and they just want to buy gifts for them, there's, there's some angels that don't get adopted, that don't get taken. And so we have to purchase toys and, and gather up new toys so we can fill those bags for those children as well. And so even just loose toys is helpful for, for us during this time. What kind of toys are y'all looking for? Really, we're looking for anything between uh, for four to eight year, four to 12 year olds, um, you know, so it could be little GI Joes, Barbies. It can be uh, children's books. Um, it, it's just a variety of things uh, that you think that your kids would want as well. I mean, those kid, those kids that are on the Angel Tree are, uh, deserve those things as well, and we want to make sure that we can get it uh, some some good toys to them this Christmas. You mentioned earlier y'all have the donations available for the people that are ringing the bells, the kettlebells, but uh, do y'all have any other ways that people might be able to give? Is there any online donating option? There is. Uh, they can they can uh, find the Salvation Army Jackson, SalvationArmyJackson.org, and they can find a donate button on our website. If they go to any Salvation Army uh, general website, that's usually the gifts are usually split up by zip codes. So if they live in the Jackson metro area, we're still going to receive that gift. And then even at our kettles, we have a couple of opportunities where they can donate on machines that are tip taps. The tip taps are 20 10 and $5, and they can make donations just by tapping their credit cards or, you know, Apple Pay, Smart Pay devices, things like that. 
you were talking about some of the food uh, services that y'all provide to help people that are trying to keep food on the table this holiday season. Uh, what are some of the things uh, you mentioned that last week y'all did the turkey drive? Uh, what are y'all doing throughout the next few weeks to leading up to the Christmas holiday? Year round, uh, you know, 52 weeks a year, we're giving out food on Tuesdays and Thursdays to people that come through our social services. And uh, so we just continue to do that. Um, the summer months are lean months. People aren't uh, necessarily in the giving spirit, if you will, during, during the, 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 the summer. And so that's when our pantry starts to get pretty low. And so we'll usually put a couple of peels out saying, hey, our, our pantry shelves are empty and we're still providing the service and we, we just need the supplies to do that. But during Christmas time and Thanksgiving, we get a lot. I mean, we've, we've been uh, getting a lot of canned goods, a lot of non-perishables, and being able to fill these grocery bags nicely for the families that come to us. Timothy Delaney is the Major Corps Officer for the Jackson Salvation Army. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.